Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. So today we're not going to have a guest on the show. You'll just be hearing from yours truly. And the episode title is, How Does the Stock Market Perform Amid a Recession? So I know for the better part of this year, you know, that's all you're hearing in the news from all these financial pundits is, are we in a recession? Are we headed into a recession? And a lot of them, when you ask them what's a recession, they don't even really have an agreed upon answer. So before we kind of dive into what that means to your portfolio, I'm going to share some really interesting data on what recessions have looked like in the past, uh, how the stock market has obviously performed during those periods, and then what the outcome looks like when our economy actually climbs out of the recession. But before we get into all of that, you know, we're going to have some awesome information I really hope you guys uh, can take a lot away from. I just want to start with, you know, why are we here? Why is there all this hysteria about a recession right now? So kind of the two elephants in the room, if you will. Number one is going to be inflation. Okay, we have record high inflation right now, um, more than we've seen in over 40 years since 1982, to be precise. And so that's one thing, of course, is the inflation. Number two is the Fed's reaction to inflation, okay, which I'm sure you've seen, you've heard about, you know, the very aggressive stance on rate hikes this year. And we're going to get into what exactly that means to the stock market as well. So that's just kind of a teaser of today's episode. Um, Please, you know, listen closely. You might have to go back and re-listen to a couple points because, like I said, there's quite a bit of data. Um, but I will make it as digestible as possible and relatable. And I think this is going to be a very informative talk for you guys. So stay tuned. Is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change the only constant. The Kadena Podcast. All right. Like I said, this has been the year of talking about a recession. Uh, Whether we're in one or not, we're going to kind of debunk some of those myths today. So first off, like I said in the intro, the Fed has been very aggressive in their attack on inflation right now, Uh, raising interest rates. The most recent one was in the September meeting, uh, which they raised rates 0.75% or what they refer to as 75 basis points. Okay, so that is a pretty high hike. You know, usually when people talk about raising interest rates, a more moderate version would be a 0.25 or a 0.5% hike. This one most recently was 0.75. Okay. Uh, The next uh, Fed meeting will be November 1st and 2nd. So on November 2nd, you're going to hear about um, what the next rate hike may be. So now the reason if you saw, you know, just in recent weeks, there's some real market volatility is not only did the Fed raise interest rates 0.75%, which was expected at the time, um, but then Fed Chairman Jerome Powell came out and he went on to say that he expects more rate hikes and possibly higher rate hikes, which kind of sounded some alarms of, are we going to get another 0.75% now in November, Um, possibly higher up to a full 100 basis points? Uh, And could there be more for not only the remainder of this year, but into 2023, which if you remember just a few short months ago, the narrative was, you know, we're going to raise interest rates, get inflation under control, and then hopefully stop by fall of 2022 and possibly even have rate cuts in 2023. 
So the, the dialogue here, of course, is changing. And that's what's kind of spelt that some of the market volatility. So let me just give you a quick snapshot of where we are right now, October 6, 2022. And then we can start to kind of, uh, you know, take a step back and see the bigger picture here. All right. So a couple key metrics. Number one, the S&P 500, uh, which a lot of folks consider as like the broad index, broad measurement of the stock market. S&P 500 is currently down 22% year to date. This is the even crazier figure I'm going to give you. The Barclays US Aggregate Bond Index. Okay, so that's looking at, you know, all the bonds, you know, across America, uh, what people think of as fixed income, typically the safe haven of their portfolio. The Barclays US Aggregate Bond Index is down 14% this year nearly as much as the stock market, the S&P 500. So just quick sidebar, you say, well, how is that? Why is fixed income, why are bonds getting crushed? I didn't even know that that could happen. The reason is bonds kind of operate like a seesaw in the sense that when I go and I purchase a bond and let's say it has a 2% interest rate on it, when prevailing interest rates go up, so new bond issues are at a higher interest rate, the value of my existing bond goes down. So think it's kind of like a seesaw. Interest rates go up, my bond value goes down. Interest rates go down, the value of my bond now goes up. So as the Fed has raised interest rates so quickly this year, that has been just crushing the bond market. And that's where you're seeing uh, kind of this double whammy, S&P down 22% and the bond index down 14%. So kind of getting hit on both sides, both aggressive investors and conservative investors. Uh, you know, another one that uh, I know has get, garnered a lot of attention, of course, Bitcoin. So if we're thinking of that as kind of like the, the, the uh, key measurement, if you will, of crypto. And a lot of people advertised Bitcoin as a way to combat inflation. Bitcoin is currently down 57% this year. So, I mean, that... That is an absolute crash in the value of Bitcoin. So you're saying, well, is there any sunshine in 2022 this far? Uh, the one thing to kind of point to would be commodities. All right. So the Bloomberg Commodity Index is positive 17% year to date. All right. That would be, you know, gold, silver, oil, of course, which has kind of been the, the golden child of the year with what's going on. Um, that's kind of the, the one silver lining is for commodities investors out there um, that haven't really had a lot to write home about over the past decade, uh, but they certainly have in 2022. All right, so those are thinking of asset classes. That's kind of what's going on on that front. Then if we want to take a look really at economic measurements, this is where we're going to see kind of this merger of stock market and economy. All right, so unemployment rate as of September 2022, this is according to the, uh, the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, the unemployment rate is 3.5%. Okay, relatively speaking, that's historically low. All right, we still have an extremely tight labor market. And I'm going to come back to that uh, in a little bit because that's a very important number. Unemployment, 3.5%. Another one looking at income. In spite of all the recession fear and talk, wages are up 5% year over year from September 21 to September 22, okay? 
wages up 5%. Now, uh, the, the kind of economic measure that doesn't look so good is GDP, okay, gross domestic product. In Q1, the first quarter of 2022, it was negative 1.6%. And then in the second quarter of 2022, it was negative 0.6%. All right, that's GDP, the production of kind of all our goods and services for our, our economy here in America. And then the last one, I told you there's a good bit of data. I'll come back to these of why they're so important. But this is kind of the granddaddy of them all, at least for this year, is the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. All right, that's like the true measurement of inflation. The CPI currently is 8.3%. All right, so that's a measure of all these goods, this basket of goods that they measure. Um, and what they're saying is over the past 12 months, so for September of 21 to September of 22, you know, that, in, that has inflated 8.3%. And that's essentially when people say, hey, inflation's 8.3%. They're looking most likely at the CPI consumer price index. Okay, so that's uh, that's kind of, if you can just maybe go back and replay those past two minutes, that's a quick snapshot, a quick summary of what the stock market and the economy looks like today. So now, before we really get into this discussion of how the stock market performs in recessions, I want to define recession because this is one of the uh, most misunderstood, but most talked about terms that's out there. All right. So formally, the actual definition, according to the National Bureau of Economic Research or the NBER, uh, which is really like the official recession scorekeeper, if you will, the way that they define a recession, and I quote, is a significant decline in economic activity that is spread across the economy and that lasts for more than a few months. So you might hear that and say, well, that doesn't really sound like a formal definition. Again, it's a significant decline in economic activity that is spread across the economy and that lasts for more than a few months. So to get into kind of, well, what are they talking about? The variables that the NBER is considering are real personal income, real spending, industrial production, and employment, okay? So when we look at, you know, quote-unquote recession with those variables, you know, real incomes have been somewhat flat to positive. Uh, spending and production have all been high, hence the inflation. And employment has been extremely strong. As I mentioned a moment ago, the unemployment rate is just at 3.5%. So when you look at those variables, that's where you can say, okay, well, we're definitely not in a recession right now. And where are the signs that we're going into a recession? So like I said, that's the formal definition. There's an informal definition that is relied on pretty heavily, both in academia and also in the media. And what the informal definition says, and this is what most of the public recognizes, is two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP and also consideration for rising unemployment, okay? So that's where now some economists out there can say informally, we are already in a recession because we had negative GDP in the first quarter and second quarter of 2022. However, the people that like to use that informal definition will rebut on the other side well, you said that we need to see rising unemployment. 
and unemployment sitting at 3.5%. So no recession, not even close. Yes, we had the negative GDP. We checked that box, but unemployment, forget about it. You know, we're doing just fine in that regard. Okay, so now you can already see, you know, well, what is a recession? I gave you the formal definition. I gave you the informal, which sometimes is kind of split into an either or with GDP and unemployment. Um, but with that informal, broadly recognized one, we're not there yet because unemployment is so low. Okay. And so remember that definition of recession. And we're going to kind of fold that now into your portfolio and into the stock market. Okay. So just to kind of do apples to apples, we will look at the S&P 500 as the measurement of the stock market. And we're going to use the NBER, the National Bureau of Economic Research, as the official scorekeeper of recessions. So we'll kind of look at those time periods. All right. So the S&P 500 index was actually created in 1957. All right. That's when it came about. And since that time, we have experienced 10 recessions. All right. So 1957 to 2022, we've got 10 recessions that we can examine. Okay. Formal recessions. Aside from the recession of 2020, which was brought about by COVID, that only lasted two months. The other nine recessions prior to that had some commonality. And what that was is they were all preceded by high inflation and then triggered by the Fed raising interest rates. Okay, sound a little similar to today. Um, and then what happened is each recession ended as the Fed began to not only stop raising interest rates, but begin cutting them, all right, which is what they call loosening the monetary policy. And often it coincided with more government spending uh, or fiscal expansion is the term that they would use. Okay. Now, this is kind of the key takeaway. If you remember something in each recession, the S&P 500 began tumbling before the recession began. And it also began climbing and rebounding before the recession ended. Okay. So when people look at the stock market in economics, they often say it's a leading economic indicator, meaning it's almost kind of foretelling what the future will hold. And that supports not to get too dorky here, but what's called the EMT or the efficient market theory, sometimes called the efficient market hypothesis. And what that says is that the stock market is already digesting all the information of the world and that's already baked into the prices uh, of the stock market. So, for instance, and that's why we see the volatility. There's a lot of truth to that, because like I said, just a couple weeks ago, it, Jay Powell comes out and says, hey, inflation's red hot. We're probably going to have to continue to be aggressive with interest rates. As he's speaking those words, the stock market is tumbling. All right, almost crashing that day <clears throat> and the following couple days. So that's where you can see that it, uh, it already factors in so much of the data out there. There's not this huge lag like you might see in real estate taking a year or two before those prices start to go down. The stock market can be almost instantaneous, uh, especially nowadays with the prevalence of data and the ease of trading. Okay. So a couple things to realize. I'm just going to recap all of that. Number one, the stock market usually goes down before the recession, but then usually comes back up before the recession ends. And number two, you never know you're in a recession until you're already in it. 
Okay, so the de defining of a recession, because again, if you look back at that data of GDP and unemployment, you don't get that data until those events already occurred. So it's not like we know we're in a recession until we actually get there and have been there for a period of time, usually a few months and quarters. And that's why, for instance, the 2020 recession from COVID, that was not called a recession until we were already well out of the recession and quite a bit rebounded from it. So interesting things there. So we've got 10 recessions we can look at, guys. I'm going to focus on just a couple because I don't want your head spinning any more than it already is. So let's look at the first recession that the S&P 500 could at least correlate to, which would have been 1957 to 1958. Okay, The S&P 500 in 57 dropped 14%. And then in 1958, it jumped up 38%. Okay. Again, kind of uh, reinforcing that idea that it's going down ahead of the recession and then coming back up before the recession ends. Then if we go to, let's say, 1969 to 1970, this recession was a little different for the stock market in that in 1969, the S&P went down 11%. But then in 1970, the S&P only went up 0.1%. All right, so we didn't really see that kind of V-shape recovery this was a little slower of a rebound out of that recession. Another unique one would have been 1973 to 1975. The reason this was unique is in 73, the stock market was down 17%. In 74, the stock market was down 30%. And then in 1975, it rebounded 32%. Okay, so that was the first time since the S&P was recorded that we had back-to-back -back years of negatives, uh, both uh, 73 and 74, okay? Now, if we fast forward a little bit where we can kind of make a similar connection again, uh, which is I think what a lot of investors worry about is I'm okay if my money goes down, I just don't want it to stay down or go down further. One of the scariest in that regard was in 2001, all right? So <clears throat> the recession of 2001, what happened here is the S&P 500 went down 13%. However, we want to kind of look beside that. In 2000, the preceding year, the S&P went down 10%. And then in 2002, the following year, the S&P went down 23%. All right, so that is a tough string of years there. Again, I'll just reiterate, 2000, the S&P is down 10%. 2001, it's down 13%. In 2002, it's down 23%. Three straight years of losses. That's a long duration to kind of take it on the chin. And that was after, you know, the 90s were on quite a tear. We had the dot-com bubble blew up. Then we had 9-11. So there was just so much going on. Uh, and then, of course, like I mentioned earlier, the Fed cut interest rates dramatically, really kind of spurred the economy. And then we had such a, a tremendous run up until 2008. And that leads me to the next one I want to talk about, of course, is the Great Recession. So in 2007, the S&P is positive 3% because that's when it started to kind of tumble. 2008, the S&P was down 38%. And then in 2009, the rebound begins. It's positive 23%. And then, of course, that began the longest bull market uh, longest up market in stock market history, all right, since 2009. 
Okay. And then the most recent one, of course, was COVID 2020. Um, the stock market went down in three weeks. It was one of the fastest declines since the Great Depression. However, not only did we recover that loss of over 30%, the stock market actually finished positive 16 in, two, in 2020. So that was a, a lot of information that may have been somewhat uh, you know, boring in a sense. But I think if you just really listen to that, that does tell quite a story. And you should be able to kind of see the proof in the pudding um, of, again, kind of tumbling before the recession, but then starting to climb out of it. So again, to recap, if we just look at calendar year returns, uh, 2008 was the most severe correction, but it led to the greatest bull market ever. Uh, 2000 to 2002 might have been one of the scariest because it was a three-year stretch of losses, but then led to obviously a great time from 03 to up until 2007, essentially. Um, so that's kind of a, a, a snapshot of what we have there. And the thing you always want to remember, you know, past performance does not guarantee future results. I'm sure you've all heard that compliance disclaimer a million times. Um, but if we look at where we are now in 2022, okay, this is what's frustrating for a lot of folks out there is they're saying, all right, well, if the Fed, they have a dual mandate of inflation and unemployment, did inflation just come out of nowhere? Like, was this something overnight and now they're just going crazy trying to tame it? This is what, what is, uh, you know, difficult, I think, for a lot of people to kind of understand. So right now, I said the CPI is 8.3%, obviously too high. However, let's just go back a little bit because now it seems like the Fed, I don't want to say they're hitting the panic button, but they're being extremely aggressive in how quickly they're raising rates. So remember, for such a long stretch there since 08, we didn't really have much inflation at all. But then after coronavirus and just massive government stimulus, okay, to the tune of trillions of dollars that were just coming out in 2020 and 2021, the Fed putting interest rates to literally zero, and then doing all the quantitative easing, they just completely flooded the economy with money. At the same time that we were doing enhanced unemployment benefits and things like that, um, that in some respects, you know, kind of hurt the labor market. I think that's no surprise there. So then the outcome of that, if we go back to, uh, let's say June of 2021, all right, the inflation rate in June of 2021 was 5.4%, right? That was the highest inflation rate since 2008, all right? So that should have kind of got the Fed thinking like, wow, that's a big number. We haven't seen it in 14 years. Is that a concern? It did not just go away. In September of 2021, inflation again was 5.4%. Then in November of 2021, inflation was 6.8%, which was the fastest or the highest inflation rate since 1982. That was last November, guys. And then in January of this year, when it started to become kind of a talking point, inflation was 7.5%. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what I'm saying is that we had firm evidence from June of 2021 until the opening of this year that inflation was here and it was significantly high. However, the Fed did absolutely nothing at the end of 2021. And they often said, you know, if, if you bring it up, it's transitory. It's just kind of passing by because of the stimulus. More or less, nothing to worry about. Now, here we are in 2022 
and you're seeing some of the fastest rate hikes in history. And so it's like, why is it now it's such a dire concern where a year ago it wasn't all that much of a concern at all? And that's where you kind of see often in economics, the pendulum swinging. So a lot of people, a lot of these financial experts were hitting on the Fed saying they lost credibility because they did nothing last year. And now are they overcorrecting in the other direction by being so restrictive and so aggressive uh, with the rate hikes? And so I think, you know, you're going to kind of see that play out and eventually you get this kind of return, return to normal. And that's what the stock market enjoys. The stock market likes stability that does not like volatility. Okay, so I think you need to bear that in mind. And, um, you know, because they have been so aggressive to try and play catch up, you know, hopefully soon they will have felt that we're somewhat caught up and can just kind of slow down and take a beat. And that, according to what history has shown us, is what the stock market will appreciate. Okay, so again, the past can't predict the future, uh, especially in investments. But we'll continue to look at all of these data points, as will the Fed. November 2nd, we're going to find out, you know, are we making ground or are we not? But remember, guys, that whenever they quote the CPI, they're looking 12 months prior. All right. So like in June of 2021, it was 5.4% higher than June of 2020. So if inflation was really red hot uh, in November, December of 2021, well, guess what? We're right there a year later now of November, December 2022. So that's where it's like, did we really pick up even on red hot inflation? So I think now November, December is where you're going to start to see year over year uh, that the inflation just can't continue at such a rate over a 12 month span. Um, what effectively is almost a 24 month span, because, again, last year's numbers were looking at 2020. So I hope I didn't lose you. I hope I gave you some insight to what the Fed is thinking and as they think about inflation, what it's doing to the stock market. And in closing, you're going to continue to hear that good news is bad news and bad news is good news. And what that means is when the Fed sees good reports of economic strength, of low unemployment, it will give them some comfort to say we can be aggressive with rate hikes because we have a good economy. We're not going to crush it. And as they're aggressive with that, so that good economic news could be bad for the stock market as they continue to raise rates. The bad news is good news is if we see unemployment tick up a little bit, we see spending go down a little bit so that there's less demand, there's less money flowing out there, then the Fed will almost kind of see their job as being accomplished of slowing the economy against a supply that can't match the red hot demand. And as they see that, that's when they can say, okay, we can kind of take our foot off the gas with the rate hikes and the stock market will appreciate that. So it is kind of a strange catch 2022 here. <laughs> no pun intended with it being the year. Um, but those are the things that you want to kind of be thinking about. And it's a, a crazy, crazy time. So this will be examined and studied for years and years to come. But hopefully this gave you a quick insight to today's day and age. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. I'm losing my voice here. I've been rambling a little bit too much. We'll see you next time. And we might have another great guest on the show. Thanks for tuning in to the Kaderna podcast.
The Caderna podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors, or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Caderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Pass. 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through Pass, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Nine seven three two four 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 two zero. Financial representative, the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance, LLC, are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Pass or Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance, LLC, a general agency of Guardian. Pass is a member of FINRA, SIPC. California Insurance License Number, OK04194. Content of the Caderna Podcast is copyright of Brian M. Caderna, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission from the Caderna Podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of, of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third-party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries, or affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice.